Hello, everyone, and welcome to Enablement Amplified. I'm your host, Fiona Simpson. All right, everyone, on today's episode of Enablement Amplified, we have none other than Jonathan Carford, Coach K. You know him. You've seen him on LinkedIn. You've seen him on the Slack groups. I am so excited to have you on, Jonathan. I have been following your content for a long time. We've had the chance to chat several times, and I'm just so psyched you're here, and I'm even more excited about your topic. But before we get into that, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Fiona, first off, I just want to say I am also a fan of you. I love how supportive and awesome and just super smart you are with with everyone in the community. Like, I just really appreciate you, just number one. Two, I am really excited to be here. So again, my name is Jonathan. You said my last name right, which is amazing. So thank you for that. Jonathan Carford. I go by Coach K because in the past, (laughs) uh, like the actual Coach K of Duke, my last name is not exactly the easiest to say if you look at it. So... (laughs) I had a, a buddy of mine in marketing in one of my past companies call me that, and it's just stuck. So every time I go interview with somebody, like, hey, I heard your Coach K. I'm like, okay, so I'm just going to run with it. So, I mean, hey, if the brand is already established, don't uh, fight it, right? I'll go with it. Yeah, so yeah, it's kind of funny. But I've been, so quick quick history about me. I was in, I lived kind of a double life when I was younger. So I did sales for a long, long time. So anything from the actual physical products to sponsorships to events to financial coaching to SaaS products to to advertisements in the yellow pages i saw that that. that's right yellow pages that was (laughs) for those of you that aren't old enough to know what the uh, yellow pages i'm just kidding i'm just kidding (laughs) let's not age me here but like for real it's the whole i'm right there with you man i (laughs) believe me we'll get into the yellow pages on a different day (laughs) you want to have a tough job door-to-door sales of yellow pages was not fun but i learned a lot (laughs) there you go and that's (laughs) hey it was valuable to your career it was good training so anyway, so I did that. And then on the other side of it, I was doing uh, life coaching type stuff. So I learned a lot of my coaching skills from being a life coach and doing emotional health and that kind of stuff. So it was a lot of fun. And then about 11, 12 years ago, I started to shift from there professionally because uh, I did coaching on the side one-on-one and in groups. But then I started professionally shifting over to enablement a long time ago, back when it wasn't really called enablement. Like my first role was called training and content. But I, I now, I call it now enablement because, you know, back then they didn't have that. But anyways, point is, is I was there and I loved it. Like I just had so much fun with it. And so I, I stuck there and then I've been now in, I worked with Fortune 500 companies doing some sort of enablement type of program. And then I've also ran my own large teams, but for the last five years I've been in startups. So this is my now third startup. I'm currently the head of revenue enablement and product marketing, which is a blast with Symmetric. And I'm also about to launch the GTM AI Academy in November. So I'm super excited. It's a lot of fun and just having a blast with it. You are a busy guy, Coach K. And yes. I, I can tell that you like the roller coaster ride a little bit. And, and so I think it's exciting to kind of get your perspective on a lot of things that are new, that are fresh, right? You've been out there in these landscapes where everyone's just trying to kind of build the bridge as we're driving across it. So to that end, tell us what what if question you've brought for us to talk about today. Yeah. So I thought about this one a lot, which the what if question is, what if AI takes over half of what enablement does on a day-to-day basis? Mm-hmm. Exciting. Uh, the yeah. buzziest of buzzwords of 2023, AI. <laughs> we'll take it, man. <laughs> but it's important. And I'm really excited to dive into this because I think there's a lot that we can that there's a lot of value in AI. I'll just start with that and we'll get into it further. But yeah, tell us tell us kind of what's been on your mind. What kind of got you into thinking about this question of, I would say not even what if, but when AI takes yeah. over half of what we do on a day-to-day basis as enablers. 
Well, it's a longer story. I'll give you the short version, but I was introduced to AI. Well, I heard about it back in 2019. I heard some random like Forbes post about it or something. But I was like, okay, cool. That's weird. It's Terminator stuff, whatever. We, we might all die <laughs> in five years. Who knows? I didn't really think much about it. And then at a job a few years ago, the company acquired an AI company. And so they implemented their own AI technology into the company. So I was part of, obviously I was on the enablement team. So I had to transfer the knowledge around the AI product to the rest of the GTM function. So I learned a ton about AI from the founder and the guy who built the AI technology. And this one was a cool, like it's, it's not one publicly available because it's owned by the company, but it was like a, a tech that could recognize both emotional state from your tone of voice and from mm -hmm. facial recognition, like super advanced stuff that even right now, we don't have a lot of things that can do that mm -hmm. now. I, I'm sure there is, it's just not publicly available. But anyways, it just blew my mind of how awesome it was. And then this same founder or, who was on my team and eventually uh, introduced me to ChatGPT. He was like one of the first on, he's like, hey, you gotta get this, you're gonna love it. And since then I've just been loving and diving into tools and all that kind of stuff. As a result of that, I've been a part of a couple of mastermind groups where it's with these like ones with business consultants, more small business consultants sure. that they've been talking a lot about, you know, how to use AI in their business consulting. And in March of this year, one of them brought up in the, in the mastermind, they're like, Hey, you know what we should do we should, we should go after some tech companies and we should train their teams on how to use AI. And so he mentioned three or four that he had contact with, which were tech companies that I knew they had mm -hmm. enablement teams and I knew their enablement teams. So as soon as we got off the phone, I reached out You're to like, them and said, I was like, are you guys doing anything with AI right now? So I reached out to them and they said, no, why would we? I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? So it just lit my mind of like, I assumed the enablement was doing more with AI, but as I've watched other people's stuff as they go out there, it's pretty surface, I'm gonna say fluff. And it's not as deep or impactful as it could be. And that was what turned the light bulb on of like, oh my gosh, we're behind the ball. We, sh we enablement of all teams should be the ones leading the charge, not being behind and reactive with this. Yeah. The second absolutely. side of that is that with all the layoffs this year and all the question around how does enablement prove their value, I saw this like magical thing happen in my mind where it's like <laughs> AI and how enablement should be using it and then the value of what enablement can do even without AI, but what it does just by the function and you combine the two together, it's like this magical potion of, <laughs> of what can happen inside of an org when enablement is AI powered or helps the organization become AI powered. Yeah. Sense? Absolutely. And I'm right there with you. I think if anything, a lot of us just as individual people are a little bit behind the eight ball on learning what AI is, what it can do, how it can help us. I think it's naturally for whatever reason, I guess we just grew up watching too many Terminator movies, but it's something that I think a lot of people are just averse to something they don't know, something that they don't understand. And it, to me, it almost goes back to something like the transition from like the fax machine to email, which we lived through because <laughs> we're old, <laughs> but it's I'm true. young. We're talking about you're if young. You, we're fine. If you didn't understand email and the power that it had at that time, you probably got behind and you weren't communicating as quickly as you could be, or your colleagues might have been if they jumped on the email bandwagon sooner than later. And now yeah. email is ubiquitous, right? I mean, I'm getting 15 emails right now, right? And I think that we, as enablement, to your point, as enablers, we have to be on the leading edge of that because we have to understand anything that comes to our desk better and faster 
than anybody else because if we don't how else are we supposed to turn around to teach it to the folks that we support so i'm with you i even feel like sometimes i'm a little bit behind the eight ball which is why i'm excited to have this conversation because i feel like i'm gonna learn a lot but as we start to think about ai i think one of the biggest questions and i feel like this is almost debunked but it still comes up just because it's like an easy talking point but i feel like a lot of people are scared that AI is going to replace our jobs and AI is going to, you know, make me homeless because I'm not going to have not just at my job, but like my industry is going to go away for whatever industry you're talking about. I feel like that's just such an easy, like, gimme, gotcha, clickbait tagline. But I think we're getting to the point where we all recognize that's not true, especially in sales, especially in enablement. I think it's just not possible. But Let's talk a little bit about how, rather than being afraid of AI or thinking it's going to take our jobs, how can it really be a complement to what we do? How can it make us more efficient, more productive? How can it really be something that we use as a tool as opposed to something that's just going to replace us? And then, I don't know what we're going to do all day, eat bonbons. I like eating bonbons. It's pretty valuable. I mean, I'm not um, mad about it. I'm actually going to respectfully disagree with you on the whole replacing jobs. Is that okay? Ooh, spicy. I love it. It's spicy. It's so, <laughs> and I say this because if you look at, I read this super interesting article about how this guy was comparing the industrial revolution to what he's calling the AI revolution. Mm. And in the industrial revolution, as a result of that, jobs were lost because like people who are taking care of horseshoes don't mm -hmm. do that. They had to shift their, their skill level to mm -hmm. do what had to do with cars versus horses. Like right. there, was, there was a change in the market. So jobs were affected. So to say that jobs won't be affected is, I think, naive because we're, we're not, <laughs> it's impossible for it not to be affected. Does that make sense? But Fair. I do think though, with that being said, the value of enablement is not in us making decks. It's not in us doing one pagers. It's not in us making training modules. It's in the entire strategy and the impact of what enablement can do. So that's where I think people need to shift their gears of like, enablement is not making one pages and decks. That's not what we do. Right. We, I mean, we do do that, but that's not our value, you know? Right. So when you look at it from that perspective, then no, I don't think enablement is going to be replaced. If your job is all you do is content creation or whatever the heck it might be, you will be replaced because that's that I think will be automated. It will be better, faster and easier with an AI tool eventually. We're not there yet. Right. But like Sam Altman from OpenAI said, like the AI right now is the worst it's ever going to be right now. And it's mm -hmm. freaking awesome right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so anyways, it's it's kind of mind blowing. So with that being said, though, right now is the time to start using AI to augment what you do. And I'll give you a you know, can I give you an example real fast. Yeah, absolutely. So right now, my team is literally in the middle of Series B, what's called a, a data room. So you have to collect all this information on on everything the company does so we can open up our folder portfolio to investors and say, hey, do you want to give us money? You know. <laughs> and as part of that, I've had to, I just barely started in this company two months ago. So I'm still learning everything. And so I don't, I'm not the resident expert on my company. So I've been leveraging and using AI like crazy to deal with and create last minute content requests from my team but also to make sure that I'm making sure my strategy around what I'm doing is correct. That's one cool thing about AI is I can use it for both the menial task and for high level strategy brainstorming, you know? Mm -hmm. And so as a result of that, what would have taken me weeks before I got done yesterday. Right, yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. I had a request come in, I got it done. My, my design team designed it and the, we're, we're ready to go. 
and it's it's obviously faster and better. And I had two, three people outside of the company who were consultants working with us look at it. Like, this is amazing. How'd you do this? I'm like, well, I took all <laughs> the this robots. time and I'm the professional <laughs> and it was all me. It was all me. But it's that kind of thing where all the things we are asked to do on a daily basis from last minute requests to the big level projects can be done better, faster, and easier with AI. So Absolutely. when you learn how to do that, then you become an essential piece of the org instead of a replaceable function. So yeah, I, I agree. It, it's interesting. I, I am happy to admit this. And it's funny because we even use the word like admit when we're talking about leveraging AI. First of all, all of my headshots were made by the robots. Those are every single picture you see of me that's a head, like looks like a professional photo on LinkedIn, on anywhere. They're all AI generated. And a lot of the ideation that I did, a lot of the work, a lot of the things that I kind of put together to even create this podcast, like what is my listener profile? What are my taglines? Like all that yeah. stuff. I just spent half a day in chat GPT like giving it prompts and getting back information and tweaking it and going back and forth and back and forth to come up with sort of the framework for for this show. I, I had a great manager once a million years ago who always asked us the question for anybody who is in like a team leader up role, what is your team's highest and best use? Meaning, what are the things that your team is doing that are the top of their skill set? the top of of their efficiency and what are the things that we can eliminate or move to another team or outsource or do whatever it is that we need to do that are anything below that threshold and that's the way that i approach ai is where is my time better served is my time better served let's say having this conversation or working with my team or strategizing with the head of revenue is my time better utilized that way and using my intelligence and my intellect and my strategic side of my brain? Or is it better spent creating a one pager or coming up with taglines for five LinkedIn posts for our marketing <laughs> team or whatever, right. right? Which of those is my highest and best use? And anything that's not, I need to find a more efficient way of getting that task executed. Right. So totally I, I think we are on the same page. I, I, I'm with you. I'm going to retract what I said about job <laughs> in, in this sense and I'll, and I'll caveat it with this it is not to say that the folks that were farriers is technically the name for someone who applies horseshoes it's not to say that those people magically i'm amazed you know that term by the way that's impressive just right oh there. man you should see how many documentaries i watch i'm a nerd it's <laughs> that's amazing. a special set of information that just flows around to, to trivia night. that's what i need to do Trivial oh man you have no idea. But so farriers, what I was saying, who were responsible for horseshoeing horses, it's not to say that they no longer had a means to make income, right? They had to change their skill set, like you said, to catch up or, or or pivot, right? Maybe they went from doing horseshoes to doing like livestock management, right? There, there were things that had to transition. So I think when we when we think about AI and jobs, I think what it means for us is we have to figure out what are the things that AI is not going to be able to do or what are the things that we need to do to manage AI. I think that's going to be a big piece of it, right? Yep. Content creation. You're not going to be the one sitting there in Adobe doing the design creation, but you're the, going to be the one curating it. 
A-B testing it, doing all those other things. So I think we just need to be very forward looking about how do we take the skills we already have, eliminate the faff, the the extra stuff, the, the, the little bits and pieces that are time consuming and inefficient. And how do we look forward to how we're going to leverage AI, how we're going to be the AI managers in the future? Yeah, it's interesting because because I also think that in general, until robots buy from robots, you're going to have to have some sort of human <laughs> right? Um, we can all just that's when we get to eat bonbons is when the yeah, robots are buying from like, robots. Yeah, okay, robots selling and buying. <laughs> we don't need us anymore. But, but the same thing would be applied to training, coaching. I mean, there's a lot of human element stuff that I don't think AI could ever or would ever replace. And if it does, then we have a bigger problem. <laughs> right. Then just I'm going to go walk into the ocean at yeah, that point. I think, I, think, <laughs> I, think, right. I think like you said, though, it's because we have all this this background social programming that just says AI is this dangerous thing. And I, and I think we need to shift that thinking. It's all it is is a tool like anything else. And how you use that tool is going to be, you know, what determines how you move forward. You know, so kind of like you said, so. if all your job is, and I know a few people who are in larger organizations, but all they do is like specifically decks or one pages, that kind of content. And in fact, if you think your value is in creating it, it's going to be replaced. But your value now will be in editing and curating really good content that AI can do and then defining it. Because right now, most AI projects, even when I teach people, I'm like, it will get you 90% there. You'll still have to tweak it the other 10%, but that's the human element that makes it that much better, you know? But that Absolutely. 90% heavy left, that's what's refreshing for us as humans because that 90% takes a lot of time and a lot of brain power and energy. So if we can zip through that and then make it really, really good with our own you know, human touch, that's where I think magic comes in. So Yeah, just the idea of identifying those areas that are irreplaceable, human skills, human interaction yeah. components, identifying those and, and blowing those up and making that our emphasis and our mm -hmm. focus of our skill set I think you're absolutely right. So when, when we think about, let's just maybe focus back on enablement for a moment. Sure. When you look at the enablement landscape, what are some of those irreplaceable aspects in your mind when it comes to the areas that we can really double down on? It's a good question because every time I think that there's something that not be replaced, I'm like, nope, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> Son of a... But I, I think it's really defining what we would define as enablement. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is for me, it's really releasing a team's ability, power, whatever you want to call it, to to produce revenue. And that comes in through knowledge share, through content, through tools, systems, onboarding, training, blah, blah, all that stuff. Like that's how we do it. But the it kind of comes down to a lot of the what's and even sometimes the how's will be defined by AI, but the why will be defined mm -hmm. by the person. And mm -hmm. so the why of why we're doing different things or even identifying different things. So as an example, I could put in, I have put in sales KPI data into ChatGPT and I've had it analyzed for me from its own viewpoint of what it thinks is going on. It's mm -hmm. not perfect and it misses stuff. So sometimes it brings up stuff I'm like that's really smart, but it's not always holistic or just because the it's an AI, it's limited to the prompts that I'm giving it. So, um, even if the AI got perfect and I could guess the best prompt ever and it just automatically did it for me, it's still limited to its scope. Mm -hmm. Human has this amazing ability to see more of the bigger picture and also the unspoken things that people can do. So a lot of enablers, in my opinion, I've experienced, are these people who understand dynamics and the relationships mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. flow 
And that's stuff that AI can't do. You know, even right. the one I was talking about with emotional recognition and facial recognition, like it can say one person, but enablement to me is like the person who's like the glue of your organization has a pulse on how's this team working with this team? How's this one doing here? And like you can use AI to describe it, but to, but to experience it and then strategize around it, that's where enablement to me is like su is superpower is understanding that flow and how to make it the best possible so teams work together, create an amazing customer experience as we go and connecting all the dots. AI can't do that as far as right now. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> and it, it makes me think of just those scenarios, right? Where somebody comes to us and asks a question and it's either a strategic question or it's a complex like stakeholder management question. And our brain starts clicking through, okay, well, our CEO could help with this deal, but they're on vacation and our CSO has a history with this customer and they're probably a better person than our, you know, SVP that this person reports to because the SVP got on a call and messed it up or whatever it was, right? Like right. those little, those little things that our mind clicks through so quickly when it comes to identifying all of the context, I think is something that we innately are very keyed into as enablers. I think we're very observant. I think we're very much, like you said, the glue and the people mm -hmm. responsible for for looking at the holistic picture. And there's a limitation to, by the time you gave AI all of that context, you could have just figured it out yourself, right? So I yeah. think complex problem solving and strategic problem solving contextually is going to be an interesting area I would say probably one of the last to catch up. I almost kind of think of, you know, when you call into, let's say Delta or something and you get either, you know, go to our website or use the chat or the robot would, yeah. trying to, sometimes you just know I need to talk to, like, I know I have a complex enough problem that I just need to talk to a human and I just kind of ignore <laughs> all the prompts and I'm okay. like, representative, 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 because I know contextually I've got some weird scenario going on that I know the robot isn't going to be able to handle. And I mm -hmm. can see us continuing to have those complex questions. Those are always going to exist. And they're always going to be something that I think we as enablers can have our hands in to help us, like we said, eliminate some of the day-to-day -day stuff and really focus more strategically. And I think it's interesting. It's been a theme that a lot of people that don't work in enablement don't necessarily see us as strategic. And I'm like, no, that's literally all we are. We just do a lot of tactical right. stuff to support that mission, but we wouldn't be here if there wasn't a strategic purpose for it, right? Right. All right, we're getting a little bit down a tangent on strategy, no, <laughs> but I think it's important because it this conversation just highlights how important the strategic side of enablement is. And it's gonna be even more important when we're doing less of the tactical stuff. So. Let's maybe shift gears a little bit here because I think this is where maybe some of the fear of AI is a little bit valid. And that is a lot of the stuff we've seen in the headlines, like college students writing papers using ChatGPT or, you know, misinformation, or there's all these kind of, I, I guess you could call them like ethical considerations. So tell me your thoughts on that. It's, it's a big one only because there's so much stuff that you could accidentally give to a tool that you don't want to necessarily accidentally give to a tool. <laughs> so yeah, it's it, there, there's different sections of it. There's like the whole data privacy conversation where it's about what can be trusted because AI at its fundamental level requires data. 
context. Mm -hmm. And so the more context and data you give it, the better the outputs and the results are. But the problem is, I should say that problem. The challenge is, is that we don't want to have like, for example, Facebook wants to use all of their data that they can find on someone to, to build their own AI model. And there's some things that I'm like, I don't want my pictures of my kids to be used for your AI model. That's my family. So it's privacy. So I think that conversation around what is private, what's not private, what should be allowed or not allowed is going to be a big conversation. Financial data for companies but, yes, or financial. proprietary information. Yeah. That's or even like, one. like for example, if I'm doing like the sales KPIs, for example, do I want to give that to ChatGPT? What happens to it afterwards? How much information should I give it? Should I say, this is just some theoretical theory. So people think that it's theory, but probably know it's <laughs> real. But like, it's just a data privacy conversation, personally or professionally. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we've quite figured it out yet. Like ChatGPT just came out a month ago with the enterprise level that does have SOC 2 compliance. So they are moving that direction mm -hmm. to where it is more secure and you can opt out to anything being shared with OpenAI. So they're, they are getting smarter with that. And I think we'll see more of that as we go because of this Definitely. major concern. But that I think in general is what I would be concerned with with any tool. Next up is, is some sort of bias. So before we recorded, you talked about Claude. Mm -hmm. And so that's built by Anthropic and Anthropic as a team is, is very concerned around bias, or I should say being unbiased and clear. Mm -hmm. The, that's one of the differences between like ChatGPT and, and Claude. The ChatGPT is like your super creative math wise cousin. And Claude <laughs> is the rule follower. Like it doesn't do anything different. It's not meant to be creative. It's not the same AI, whereas ChatGPT, like they want to be creative. But there's some things that I don't want to have something be creative with. Like I want to know exactly what the CEO said to the last standup. I don't want to have creative flair around what he said. <laughs> I want to know what he said, you know? Yep. And that's where Claude can come in. But that, that bias is there. And the other side of it is talking about data training. If... As an example, ChatGPT was trained on a lot of Reddit posts, and Reddit is obviously majorly biased, depending on the group. Mm -hmm. And so if your output is basing its opinion or output on the biased data, data. Yeah. then the output will be biased. But to the user, the standard user out there, they don't know all the things. I don't know all the bajillions of things ChatGPT was, was trained on. And so I got to make sure that it's an unbiased output. But like it's kind of like the whole race, gender. There's a lot of things that we just, as humans are just not aware of, not because we're being rude. We just don't think of it because it's not in our realm. Right. And if we don't recognize it and can edit it, then then AI could potentially give us biased results Absolutely. that could impact a lot of people. So it's like, you got to be really aware of the bias that could be existing already inside of any AI, AI tool. Yeah, I think there was a really clear example of that recently. I want to say it was a Google presentation, uh, like a corporate Google presentation where they had some different uh, AI uh, image related tools. It said like yeah. generate 15 pictures of software engineers and all of the images that were generated immediately. Everyone in the audience went, oh, because all of the images were very much slanted towards people of South Asian descent. Right. And everyone right. in the audience went, whoa, like we recognize the bias that's being created that if this is the image that the AI produces of what a software engineer is, what about women? What about people from other parts of the world? Right. There are software right. engineers everywhere. And if we don't have that, that litmus test, right, that gut check of of what it's producing, I, I think we're going to be in really big trouble. I'm with you on that one. Yeah, that is one really good example because it's visual. The the tricky part is when you get like context, 
content writing text whatever you want to call it mm -hmm. a lot of results that can be biased very easily and you don't oh, always like, catch it you know so it's like gotta be really aware of that and the other side of it is just transparency or accountability like you, you talked about students for example I will never be shy in my professional career of being very loud and clear that I am an AI-powered enablement person. And so if my boss asks me, I'm like, yes, I used AI for this. But I can tell when a LinkedIn post was built in AI, or if someone wrote me an email, it's based on AI. Like I always tell my team, it gets you 98% there. You never use the, at least for right now, I never use the final product of AI. It's just there to get me most of the way. Mm -hmm. And then I'm here to fine tune it, right? to give it that human touch and element and humor and whatever else I want to do, right? But not being transparent with it or not being accountable to what it can or cannot do is is can be dangerous, I think. But again, it's just being open about what you have going on. Like if I was a student, I'd be using ChatGPT. Like, I wouldn't yeah. use it for my final thing, but I would totally use it for research or for writing or for getting ideas and then edit think something down. Like I would use it all the time. I mean, why wouldn't you? It's kind of like the calculator. It's like when someone said, You'll never have a calculator in your phone or your, your pocket. <laughs> in your pocket. Yeah. I use my calculator all the dang time, you know? So it's, it's just a tool that I can use in my life to to do what I need to do. So I think it's really being clear on the context of when and where you use the tools and how you use it and make sure it's ethically correct. Agreed. And, and I think adapting what we do, like what the final products or the things that we produce, adapting what that looks like in the context of leveraging AI. So I saw a really interesting article where uh, a professor, back to the student thing, a professor said, the right answer is not to penalize students for utilizing AI. The right answer is to change what we're teaching them. So rather than flunk a kid because they wrote a paper with AI, why don't we have everyone in the class write a paper with AI? And what we do together as a class is we edit each other's and we talk about that human element that we need to and that 10% yeah. that we need to change. And that skill set is important, right? Being able to yeah. read, look for bias, find out where we could be more grammatically correct or whatever the things are that we're supposed to be doing in that class. Why not just embrace the technology and move forward with it? So I think we're going to have to be careful and thoughtful before, you know, the, the horse kind of, run, kind of runs away with the cart. But we have a real opportunity to, I think we're right in that moment. You know what I'm saying? Like we're in that yeah. moment of making these thoughtful decisions and, and looking ahead at if this is what's going to be the way of the world in a year, what do we need to do ahead of time to make it work for our team and to make those definitions and make those kind of guardrails? So I, I think there's a lot to consider on the ethical side of things, but hopefully you, me, and everybody else out there is thinking about that ahead of time. I, I think they are. There's, there's enough noise around, you know, not limiting, but regulating somehow the AI tools. That I, it, it is. And I see more and more of that going that direction. Like, for example, again, ChatGPT, having an enterprise level of stock two compliant, like that is an example of them going that direction. How people actually do it, like when schooling or in jobs, like if, if, if a company restricts ChatGPT, I think that's the worst idea. It's more about teach them how to use it. This is not a tool that's exactly. going away, you know? Exactly. So I heard this interesting quote from Jeff Bezos once about how he talked about a lot of people ask about what, what's going to change in the next five to 10 years. He's like, that's an important question, but just as important is the question of what's not going to change, mm. which is like, you want to have trust. You want to be able to understand your team. You know, I mean, all the things that we as a team are important now 
it's, it's just as important to ask what's going to change, but also what's not going to change. And how do we make sure we're using AI in the ways that will result in what we don't want to have change, <laughs> you know, or what won't, or what we won't even change, you know? So it's an interesting thought process to take yourself through and make sure you're in alignment with it. Absolutely. You touched on the enterprise thing with ChatGPT, and that yep. kind of brought something up that's interesting, I think, right now. So I feel like a lot of the AI products that are out there, they kind of fall in one of two camps. They're sort of these like freemium individual use kind of things. A lot of them are at that echelon. Obviously, some yep. are moving towards bigger things like enterprise. And then on the other side, there are these like proprietary tools or things like I used to work in medical software and things like Dragon Speech, which is like this gajillion dollar investment for doctors to get transcripts of what their patients are saying and things like that. So there's kind of two camps, right? There's like the very expensive, very cutting edge technology that is only available for you know large corporations. And then there's the sort of consumer-ish level freemium type of of products so as the pendulum is swinging toward more of the commercially available enterprise type of products right how do we start to justify that as tech spend or roi for our enablement teams or Thanks. how do we start to even get around the business case for investing in ai tools for our sales team and and are there even metrics? Well, it's funny because one of the first things I built for this company was an ROI calculator for AI tools because I have a list, a litany of tools to use. And I was like, I know exactly how to measure these, but it depends on the tool <laughs> and what your the function and result is, right? But for me, it's like in, in enablement, we're already buying tools. Like that's, that's part of what we do. We analyze how effective it is. Is it actually impacting the team? So like, that's one of the things, you know, you know Jeff Bezos said, what's not going to change? That's not going to change. We're going to be asking those same questions about any tool. But the other side is, is being open to majorly shifting what the team does, what I do on a day-to-day -day basis, because the tools give me the ability to do something different. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So like, as an example, Lavender is one, Reggie's another one. There's tools out there where the AI can do a quick disk profile on a LinkedIn post and then do research on the company and then create this amazing tool that then gives someone the 90% of an email they should write that's like personality research driven email mm -hmm. that would be better than I could have done in five days, you know? Mm -hmm. But that is one example of like, I could easily justify that tool to, yeah. to my team because we're really pushing towards, my personal team is pushing towards a personalized, scalable method of prospecting. So mm -hmm. me having to find a tool that can do that, I'm like, there it is, that's my tool or Lavender yeah. or whatever, you know? But I would, in return, it's it's the same things I would ask about a CMS or an LMS. It's like, what what's the impact? What's the result of this? What KPI am I deciding beforehand I'm going to use to measure this? And how do I know it's actually impacting or not? When do we pull the plug? Like, do we say, hey, let's do this for a year? If it doesn't m impact these measurements, do we, do we pull the plug on it? Or what, what do we do, you know? So those are the same questions I'm asking about anything. It's more about, I really have to think differently around what is my team doing? And is there a tool out there that could possibly take us to the next level? And am I open to changing what we do at a fundamental level? Because we have a tool that can drastically shift what we do on a fundamental level. Does yeah, that make sense? absolutely. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think it, it brings to mind a couple of things. One, we see that statistic out there, whatever it is, that sellers are only spending 22% of their time it's, it's actually insane. selling. I'm That's like, can, can we please give them the other 78% back, back to highest and best use, right? 
can we get rid of a lot of the things that they're doing that are tedious and manual and repetitive so that they can spend more time actually selling? I think that's an easy place to point to ROI. And I like what you said, that it's really like evaluating any other piece of tech stack. I, I think personally that a lot of the, I don't know if the tech spend is going to be, well, let me take that back because Forrester did write an uh, article earlier this year about how the the spend would increase for AI tools specifically inside of organizations. So I think we will have an additional budget that'll be allocated to AI tools. But I think eventually it's going to be like, wait a second, these are just tech stack tools. So we're just going right. to combine them and then like it'll. People get smart with it, but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Cause like tools like Salesforce or HubSpot, they're kind of integral parts of an organization. Mm-hmm. I'm always mm-hmm. asking like, is there going to be an AI tool that's going to totally disrupt those foundational pieces, you know? Right. Um, or, or when is went, Google going to buy Lavender and just dump it into Gmail and yeah. and end of conversation? Lavender, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. We're going to see more of that. Like. It's kind of like in the internet days, there's all these websites and dot coms and all this stuff. And then there's the crash where everything kind of disrupted. And now you have all the big players. There's still startups and stuff, obviously. But we're in that same place where there's so many things being blasted. I've read something that was like a thousand new tools or companies being launched a week. So like, Holy it's crazy. Cats. Yeah, you can't keep up with it, but it's not sustainable. Like I get pitched almost daily about four or five tools. And I'm like, I literally had a demo with another tool yesterday that does the exact same thing a little bit better, you know? Yeah. So there will be some consolidation as we go, but we're not for sure. So it'll be be an interesting next year. (laughs) It's definitely the Wild West right now, for sure. (laughs) But it'll be interesting to see kind of where things head. So so thinking to the future, just just kind of give us your like 30,000 foot overview of where you see AI impacting revenue teams, impacting enablement, let's call it. 12 months from now, 18 months from now. I had this conversation with another tech team, actually. But it's the question I always have of like, what are the fundamental things that I do as enablement or that we do as a team? What's the fundamental things we do that could be changed drastically by an AI tool? You know, I don't know the answer to that question, but it's always something I'm asking going, am I willing to change the fundamentals to shift to the next level of performance? You know, mm-hmm. but as an example, in enablement specifically, I think we're going to the place where I, I said, talked to this before in LinkedIn posts, but on I think it was on one of the Marvel movies with with Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man, and he had that he had that barf machines where he was he was pretending <laughs> he, he like had this younger version self talking to his parents. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, like, yep, yep, yep. Get to the point where that's a thing where we can have a salesperson walk into this virtual reality AI driven world, and they're going to duplicate for us a CEO discussion that we can prepare for. Like that is next level role play. We're going to get to that point, you know. So that's, that's one way where I think we're going to be going, which would be killer. And, or we'll have like a, again, I'm using Marvel again, but Jarvis. So Jarvis is a, it's a great kind of analogy between being a tool that could literally do anything, but it's useless without Tony Stark's brain, right? Right. That kind of tool is really what is going to set apart people in the future of doing all the things you're doing much faster, better, smarter, all this stuff. I think you nailed it that we this is the time where we need to be strategic and thinking about and asking these questions, because if we're not asking them now, it's going to be too late. So I, I, I agree with you. I think we're in that question asking phase and it'll be interesting maybe we have this conversation again a year from now to see where things are and and see what That'd tools have kind of made the cut and are still around and and where we are as enablers you know hopefully having answered some of those questions and you know get a better handle on 
what parts of our role are going to be exponentially better with AI and what parts of our role we've sort of put our finger on and said, this is a human being thing and we're going to keep doing that. So yeah, I'm right there with you. Well, just to wrap us up on every episode of Enablement Amplified, I like to do two things right here at the end, which is number one, how can we amplify you, Coach K? What are you up to? What are the things that you're working on that we can kind of bring to the surface and of course you know any anything you're doing online any links that we can include in the show notes about what you're up to well first if anyone wants to engage i'm i'm very open on linkedin as long as you don't pitch me with something i'm happy (laughs) to talk to anybody so if you want to talk come talk to me come talk to me i I, like i said before i'm launching the gtm ai academy here in november there's also be a podcast of my own the theme is business impact over learning tools. Like it's more about how do you have impact versus just learning some fancy new tool that could do some fancy cool thing. Mm-hmm. So if anyone wants to engage with that, uh, there's gonna be a ton of free resources out there. Obviously there's the, the paid academy, but there's gonna be a lot of stuff too for people who need it. I did two LinkedIn lives about ChatGPT and Claude specifically that are, I hope are helpful. So they're free. You can go in and watch those <laughs> and take you to the next level. But And with that, I would say, even if you don't work with me or anybody else, whoever's listening, I'd say at least do Claude, ChatGPT, pick one tool and start using it in your day-to-day function and just see how it changes what you do. I'm I'm gonna double down on Coach K's content. Jonathan puts out fantastic content on LinkedIn for free, a lot of really great stuff. So uh, I'm just gonna amplify that over again. Just do yourself a favor, go find him on in the show notes. And just follow along. Um, but I think that the Academy sounds really exciting. And and I appreciate that you're kind of putting a curriculum together around this and, and thinking about how do we enable ourselves with a lot of this content. Yes. Well, th- and that- from coming from you, that means a lot as far as the content. Like, I, I think I'm just like, I don't know if this is helping anybody. I'm just going to talk about stuff. She's going to shout into the void and see what happens. <laughs> see what no, happens, it, yeah. It's, it's great content. I've referenced it before the show, man. Come on. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. And then... Other half of the question is, who else out there can can we amplify? Who's doing cool stuff in this space? And and take a couple moments to to shout them out. Well, one person that that I don't think it's talked about enough is a good friend of mine, Cheryl Buschek. She's now over onboarding at Juniper Networks. Her and I were laid off about the same time, and we kind of reminisced and and <laughs> strategized over our job opportunities. But in general, she just spoke at the SES or our now RES conference two weeks ago. She's an amazing person. So I, I don't see you get a whole lot of love. And so one person that stood out to me was her because she's giving, she's kind, she's super smart and she's been around the block and knows her stuff. So there's a lot of people out there who I think that are louder. I shouldn't say louder, who talk more. And I love like all of them. I love, it's no diss against them. I just know that she's not as loud and I just want to give her some credit and thanks and make sure people know to follow her because she's amazing. So. Yeah, she's a rock star. Unfortunately, I missed her session. There was too many good ones going on, but I heard I it was fantastic. So yeah, we'll definitely link Cheryl in the show notes. Other than that, Jonathan, thank you so much for being here. This is so much fun. I love talking to you because it's just fun. <laughs> oh, you're you're just, nice. Your energy is just always <laughs> awesome. So I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, yeah. Your support of the enablement community in general is awesome. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your host, Fiona Simpson. Take care.